Hello, everyone. This is Aurus Julia Sanchez with my co-host, Aliza Abramson. And today's another episode of Converse with Anyone, Anywhere. And we're super excited because we have a very special guest today, Aliza. Extremely special. Can you tell us who it is, Aurus? Yes, his name is uh, Aaron Griffin. Now, he's very interesting. We, Aliza and I, we actually met him at a, uh, at a networking slash business event called uh, Bold Worldwide Event. And we met him. And as soon as we met Mr. Griffin, Aaron... He is this big jumble of joy, and he <laughs> is so happy, enthusiastic, but even though he has these amazing qualities, do not underestimate him. His, not business, his business skills are amazing. Extremely. And you know what actually impressed us? Before we even heard about his background, you could see just a little bit about how professional he was and how on point his questions were during the entire conference. But then we started talking to him because we were like, who is this guy with the awesome questions? And then we found out his background. Aurus, can you tell us a little bit about his background? Well, I mean, I don't want to say his entire biopic here. Um, He's actually writing a book actually coming out in February, which he'll speak more about that. But actually, for example, he has been an entrepreneur since like forever. His his family, his entire family, they're all filled with entrepreneurs. It's interesting. He actually left school at the age of 19 to scale his own business. And at the end of that business, he actually, uh, the revenue was about $3 million. And with his business, he was actually able to open up 500 summertime jobs for college students. And on top of that, he, uh, he's been overseeing uh, his first seven-figure business at the age of 20 years old. So basically what we're saying is that you have a guy here in his early 20s who's already handled businesses that bring in over... Three million. Uh, over $3 million. But not only that, but he's managed to help other businesses start. How many was it? Uh, actually, I do not remember. He did tell me I do not remember, but he's going to fill us all this information when, when we speak to him. Right. Now, guys, because he's been managing so many people and helping so many people build their own businesses, his communication skills are on point. So yes. we definitely wanted to bring him over, get his advice, his input on managing and communication in a management position. So if you guys are in a management management position, or even if you're in an employed position, pay attention to this because this is going to affect your life. Yes, yes. He deals with a lot of, he, he has dealt with a lot of difficult people. There's a lot of things that Elise and I, we speak about, right, can go in very different and various directions. But Mr. Aaron Griffin here is taking it from the business type of sense. So we have so many questions, so much great knowledge that he's about to spit onto us, throw at us some golden nuggets. So Aaron, how are you? What's up? Aruz, how we doing? So excited to be here. Thanks so much for the the, uh, the, the generous introduction there, for sure. <laughs> no problem. We'll, we'll send you the bill later, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So Aaron, the first question we actually had in mind is... What is the number one tip you would say in using communication towards managing people? Oh, so you have a couple different things here. So when we talk about communication in general, it kind of goes both ways, right? So you have the leadership uh, attribute of it, like how do you communicate as a leader? Mm -hmm. But also you have, if you're in a role where either you're in management or you are just being managed, you have you have a totally separate a line of communication, right? Because the overall goal, the leader's accountable for the goal, mm-hmm. but everyone on the team is responsible for the goal, right? So the communication, I, I guess the biggest tip I'd have for communication is the closer an organization can get to, Ray Dalio talks about this, is radical transparency, right? Being able to really call a leader out if they're not pulling their weight, mm. but more importantly, 
honestly, the probably the more important thing is actually just being able to have frank discussions about how well or poor things are going and be able to adjust those things. I, it, one of the things I love about business is it's so transparent, mm-hmm. right? Like you have, you have obviously a bottom line, but there's also, there's not really ways to push the blame to other people other than leadership. So when I was just mentioning, there's two different sides to it. The other part of this is obviously you got to be radically transparent. And the best way I think to do that also as an employee is you got to cut some leaders some slack a little bit too, right? Like when you, uh, <laughs> when you have a leader in a position that's struggling or maybe just, you know, whatever it is, you know, you, maybe you just don't think they're performing as well. It's, you got to remind yourself it's very easy to criticize leadership when you're not in their shoes. So mm-hmm. I, I love what you guys do in your podcast because you kind of break down specific moments and how to communicate with people that I think it's like, it's great in terms of a lesson. So I don't know if there's one specific tip I could give for communication, but the most important thing I found from a business is just being able to be honest with each other, right? Because you can't get past that, you know, just being honest and uh, forthright with what you're trying to do and how you're doing it. You guys are never going to be able to grow past where you're at right now. And mm-hmm. look, that applies to business, but it also applies to really anything that you're working on with more than one or two people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, wait, let me ask you a question, because you mentioned a point that I wanted to touch upon. And everyone who's listening, who's probably, as Lisa mentioned, maybe uh, in, in a leadership in a leadership position or a manager or, or is planning to be, right? In your case, Aaron, we know that you've been a leader, you've been a manager for for your own business. So my, so my questions are, is basically, has anyone called you out on something? And if they did, how were you able to control yourself, control your anger and humble yourself so then... What, however, however uh, way they called you out on it, you didn't like freak out on them or or blast on them or something like that. Yeah, you know. So as a leader, you're you're. Uh, it's a great. That's a great question because you know you talk about it's actually just pulling the emotion out of the situation, mm-hmm. right? So if you imagine you're in a room and vacuum seal that room, get rid of the emotion. Mm. So if somebody's challenging you, you know, knock the ego off take away everything from there that is a challenging situation. Even if, even if it's somebody that's, you see it as an incorrect point, whatever it is, you got to remove the emotion from it. So you can actually see it through the lens, which is important to the leader, which is how do we solve the problem? Because the, when you said somebody is calling, either calling you out, whether you're a leader or just a team member, you got to remember the problem is not the person that's calling you out or the person that's getting called out. The problem is what those two people are trying to find or, or excuse me, what those two are trying to solve. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, you're looking at it through the lens of, I think you have to, you really have to see what it is that you're trying to accomplish in the long run. And you really have to apply that towards any kind of criticism. So first thing you gotta do is just remove the emotions and that can be tough. That can be really challenging. You hear a lot of stories about companies that will scale that some of the most vital individuals that help those leaders get to, you know, the one to $5 million mark cannot help that company grow to the five to 10 or $20 million mark. Right. I think one of the greatest examples of that, you mentioned we met at bold worldwide yeah. in New York. Um, if anybody who's listening here isn't following Brian Cristiano, he's running a marketing agency in New York. And one of the things that he's got an open goal on online is to scale his business to a hundred million dollars. Yep. Well, one of the coolest things that you see online is he publishes almost everything that he does. And if you followed his journey uh, recently, he's like, I mean, he's brought on a lot of new people that are big players. Like he's bringing on totally new team members to his team 
because he's not going to get to where he wants to go by the way he's gotten it. So I guess going back to it, it's super important to get those challenging moments where somebody's really frustrated and they really need to address the moment. The leader's role is to make sure that we're nudging our way a little closer to that end goal, whatever it is. So suck the emotion out of it and look at it like you got to look at it unbiased as heck because as a leader, you never really have an employee quit. You know, we have this term, you know, it's not really an employee's quitting. Employee usually just fires their leader, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to work for them anymore. And at the end of the day, that can easily, not easily be solved, but it can easily be avoided if you're trying to just look at it with perspective. So you got to know what you don't know and remove the emotion from the situation. Let me ask you uh, something based off of that, Aaron, because you were talking about um, when someone challenges you, you have to remove the emotion from the situation and just handle the problem. Could, how would you um, advise someone? Like, let's say you have an employee who has a habit of challenging you in front of a lot of other employees. Yeah. In that yeah. moment, like, I know ideally you would say, okay, let's talk about it in private, things like that, so that it's not in front of everyone and everything like that. But in that moment where they challenge you consistently, it's important that as a leader, you also don't seem like this person that's like, everyone can just walk over. So how do you keep that line of, I'm not getting emotional and just defending my ego, but remembering where everyone stands at the same time? Boy, that's a, that's a great one. So it, it can be... The situation you described could have so many variables to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that I would take away from it, especially with you know being challenged, let's say in front of a group. Yeah. Well, the reality is, I mean, the group has to be. They have to. I'll pivot and I'll come back. How about this? I'll do. I'll do this. So I, I look at a, a few friends of mine who work with another team, came up with these principles. I'll steal them from them. They, they, they did a great job coming up with these. I think they're brilliant. There's three main attributes of a leader, right? Uh, the first thing is you have to be able to set crystal clear expectations with anybody that joins the team. They have to know exactly what they're going to be doing, what their role is. There can't be any ambiguity from compensation mm-hmm. to responsibilities on the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. The second thing you really have to do is you have to be able to implement systems and processes that are going to be able to maintain quality even though you're bringing in new and different people to help grow your business. Right. So you have to be able to maintain quality and implement those systems. But the third thing, and this is, I think this is the most important aspect of this, is the vision aspect. You know, you have to be able to enroll someone in the vision of what you're trying to build. So if I build on that for a second, you know, go back to that moment somebody's challenging you in front of the group. It really is kind of a gut-wrenching moment as a leader because you really have to look back and say, kind of how do we get here to the point where someone is when someone's challenging a leader it's challenging the vision that the leader is uh portraying right Mm -hmm. so when you know when when somebody loses or leaves an organization i should say when somebody leaves an organization and they fire their leader they they don't want to work with somebody in the future you could probably pinpoint it down to something specifically that a leader did that wound up to that situation to the point where they're willing to challenge them in front of the whole team. So how to handle it in the moment totally depends on different variables. you got to be confident with it, but you also mm-hmm. have to understand, like, you got to pull that person aside most likely right after, and there has to be consequences. Because one of the biggest challenges, I think, as, a, as an organization is that you will lose good people because you're not the leader that you need to be. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That's totally okay. In fact, that's actually preferable, right? Because as a leader, you're trying to grow. You know, um, an entrepreneur and a business owner are very similar. 
entrepreneur creates and grows a business, well, a business owner is really there to sustain the growth of a business, right? Okay. So when you look at those two roles, mm. as I wrap this up, you, you really have to ask yourself, what three priorities of leadership are you missing on? Is it a failure of expectations being set? Are the internal processes of the business or the group, the communication channels, are those not working? Or is it you as a leader, you're not inspiring somebody to go through that or towards that mission, whatever it is. So I know I gave you a lot there, but I, I hope I kind of gave you a solution to, to that specific situation. And ultimately, it's to look at yourself in the mirror and kind of learn from that because it can be totally the wrong person. But ultimately, it's usually the leader in terms of how they lead up to that situation in terms of who's at fault. Mm -hmm. I love this answer because you basically – you. Yes, you answered the question. So for all of you who are listening, please go back and re-listen to his answers. Very valuable because not only are you answering the question, but you're also adding other nuggets of information that's pretty important. So so I, want, I, I wanted to know, uh, Aaron, who has been like the most difficult employee you have ever dealt with? Of course, don't mention names, but like who's, who's been the most difficult and what c effective communication techniques did you use to, to deal with the situation? <laughs> That's a great question. So over the over the year, I, I've worked with hundreds of individuals. Um, of course, like people who directly report to me, and also some that uh, you know report to our managers. Um, I don't know if I could uh, point out a specific person. Um, but were you asking like repeat the question to me one more time? Yes, no problem. I I just wanted to know if you had someone in mind, like a specific employee, or maybe even like a group of people that were the most difficult employees, situation? or a difficult situation that's been the most difficult situation or person you've dealt with as because they were your employees. And what effective communication techniques did you use to deal with the situation? Yeah. yeah so um, I think there's several things here. I mean, one thing I can think of immediately is uh, anyone who works with me knows I, I don't text. Like, I just do not text people, like anybody who works for me. And actually, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I feel like as, a, as an 18 to 22-year-old entrepreneur, I have, uh, I've actually kind of limited my, I, I suck at texting now because the only people I talk to for the most part are my employees. So a lot of my friends outside of my business are, they'll, I'm just horrible at texting just because I just never do it. I, I always communicate by the phone. Um, and the reason I do that is because kind of like the situation you're, you're describing, right? So you have a, a team member who really, if you boil it down to, there's just a misrepresentation of expectations. You know, they're just not getting met. Or uh, there's somebody who's just an active, just disengaged with the organization, and that could be an external thing with them. So it's nothing that you're doing as an organization or as a leader there's something seriously wrong, you know, something going on outside of work, you know, somebody's in the hospital, for goodness sake, you know, some, some external problem or a challenge that's come up in that team member's life. So when I look at those things, like the best thing I can try to do as a leader is just to make sure that there is crystal clear communication. So mm -hmm. I, I guess to kind of answer your question, like for me, one thing I've definitely found is whenever I have uh, limited communication with either clients or team members, if I've limited the communication to electronic, email, texting, messaging, it always gets a less favorable result than when I'm on the phone because I really just think for that, we're able to actually just solve problems. You know, on the phone, we're able to put everything in context and when we get off the phone, there's a bulletproof plan as to how we're gonna move forward. 
or texting, we're actually just kind of screwing around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't think we're actually solving anything. So that's just one thing I think that I- I've just learned looking back on some of the more challenging team members, trying to solve that, you know, that paragraph text message. You know, I was 18 years old. Uh, running my first painting business in uh, Rochester, Michigan. And look, I had a team member. Look, I sucked as a leader. You know, I, when I started my business, I was not a good leader by any means. And I, I still remember the paragraph text coming from one of my team members who had just left. And they're totally valid problems that he was pointing out. Now, I can choose to just totally disregard that, or I can choose to try to address it. So I remember I called him. And immediately, you know, once you get on the phone with somebody, the situation is always a lot better. <laughs> it seems so much worse over a text message. You get that paragraph text message. Like, it's so much better when you're actually talking in person. But I think just being knowledgeable, you know, you, you, you know that you're not going to crush something out of the park. I can totally think of somebody off the top of my head that was the, the most frustrating to work with. But obviously, I'll, I'll reserve that person's name. But when I could look back on it, I think some of the most challenging work working relationships I've had were just people that I did not communicate with in person. I think it just robs it of authenticity. It doesn't allow me to, you know, enroll them in the vision. I'm not really able to check the systems. All I can try to do is send a quick snippet that may not give the most context. Okay. I actually have two questions based off of that. Um, So the first question is like, I know maybe this is just me personally, but I had a boss in the past who used to get very emotional and very, very, um, he would take everything very personally whenever we communicated something that he didn't want to hear, right? So it made it very much that I really did not want to call him because I knew if I call him, it would be an hour-long conversation or things like that. So, And I know that there's a lot of employees out there that would much prefer just to send a quick text that isn't going to get emotional. So how do you make your employees feel comfortable enough that you're not going to be, like, biting off their their neck or their head when they call and they say, like, oh, I'm not coming into work today or something like that, as opposed to them just texting it, which is a little less scary. And the other question I had, you can take your time to answer these, is... Um, yeah, yeah. How, because the business that you work with primarily is young people, right? Like college uh, age students, things like that. How do you motivate people who are, this is probably their first job or so. How do you motivate them to create a solid work ethic um, when they don't really have the experience and knowledge of what that really means yet? Yeah, so that's, I'll run with that one first. So, um, there's a lot you could go with. I think the bottom line thing is you really, the under, and actually, you know, this applies to both of these uh, questions, actually. Um, relationships. They're the backbone of business at the end of the day, right? You have to be able to work with, not, you know, when you're working with someone, you're working with a human being. So when you describe that situation of not wanting to call your boss, I think we've all been there. <laughs> we just don't want to pick up the phone if, he, if someone's calling because you just know it's not going to be a favorable conversation, right? Right, exactly. Um, I think that's more of a representation, though, of kind of the failure of the relationship entirely, right? So I don't know if I have so much of a solution to the first one besides, you know, because for me it's tough because I've, I, I, I literally, once I once I ran a painting business, I went back to school, I got a job at a pizzeria, and I quit after three shifts. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, three shifts. It was rough. I, I did three shifts uh, at a pizzeria, and I, I, just, I couldn't do it. Same thing with a small internship I had office gig I literally call that sick I felt I, I just it was horrible right so I, I, I do struggle to uh, work in that capacity 
so my, my, my experience is limited in that, that aspect of having a really tough boss. But what I can say about the, the college student thing is really interesting because I actually find that young people today are very motivated, you know, just across the board. I think everyone has, you know, we're moving, we're at a really unique point in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States and just in general, like our world is shifting from, you know, us working on factories and building things in an economy to more of the creative economy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I think everyone has higher goals now. Um, so, so what we did was, I mean, my biggest challenge, one of the things I really enjoyed about my position, all I did was we really had to lay out, you know, what are your goals? And when you're talking to an 18, 19, 20 year old or anybody in school, what their goals are, nobody knows. Right? <laughs> a, lot of them, a lot of them do not have They're clueless. Uh, line of goals. But what we do break down is, okay, well, what are the things that matter to you? You know, what are you trying to get? Most people, when they're getting a job, they're trying to get an income out of it. They're trying to get an experience out of it. And they're trying to get the experience rolls into, like, the resume portion. And then they're trying to get connections, you know, meet people through the position, right? So I have to figure out for them what in this position is going to lead them. Like, how is this the best fit for them to get them closer to that goal where maybe they'd be able to achieve it if they're 28, 29, 30? Mm-hmm. But maybe if they do this program and they get some of the experience of running their own business, uh, maybe they can get there when they're 25. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I looked at it. It's like it's really just raw challenge, you know, for us. Because we just, you know, the student painters, they provide initial capital and coaching for every one of our managers. So it, there's a lot in their hands. So in terms of the work ethic, it's totally up to the individual person. I've seen studs, people that are great communicators, uh, passionate individuals. And they just can't go knock on the door. You know, they can't pick up the phone and call a lead. There's a lot of things that, or it's not that they can't do it once. They can't do it consistently. Mm. The work ethic is crap. Just do something consistently over and over. That's how you get results in anything, right? So I guess it's just the, that would be the biggest thing is actually identifying why they're talking to you about the position that you are offering and literally determining, is it actually a good fit for them, right? Because there's points where, look, it's just not a good fit. And that's okay, too. I'm trying to get to that point. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that, that's kind of what I was thinking with it. For sure. And So, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, it's, it's something interesting, something you just said about, like, 30 seconds ago. Now, what if, right, let's say someone is a great communicator, like they're charismatic, they have good communication skills. And your expertise in the years you've been in business and the different people you've employed or seen, do you, do you think someone who's a good communicator, uh, who's very char- charismatic, can speak to different people and who, 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 and who has that potential, is maybe someone who is a good, a good contester to starting their own business, yes or no and why? And if it's a yes, if it's a yes, what kind of business does someone that's just charismatic should start? They probably have no like skills, like maybe no business skills, but if they're charismatic, what business should they start? Yeah, great question. So um, answer is obviously yes. Anybody can do. I've, I've just, from my experience, I've watched people who have no business running a painting business mm-hmm. crush people who hypothetically should be much better. So having that enthusiasm... Um, everything, everything helps, but anybody can certainly dive into uh, running a business. So to go on the latter point, though, what specifically they should dive into, that's, you know, that's a, it sounds like it's really hard. 
I think it's kind of okay to not know what it is that you want to do. Um, I think one of the most important things that has come out of today's world with social media and everything is this really glamorization of entrepreneurship, which is awesome. I mean, it's pretty cool that we have some entrepreneurs that have really huge influence because overall, I think entrepreneurship is probably the most selfless thing that you can do because you're really ultimately as a leader of an organization, you, everyone comes before you at the end of the day, you have to be able to, if you're going to bring somebody on board as a team member, as an employee, you have to put them first, much more, much before yourself, right? At the end of the day, that is the responsibility of the entrepreneur. You have to keep everything rolling no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, so as, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, if, if you don't know exactly what it is that you want to do, it kind of depends on really, I guess, where you're at in life. If you're in a position where you can, you know, there's not too many financial constraints, mm -hmm. maybe it's just moving somewhere and joining um, somebody that you just thoroughly Im are impressed by and just following them in their journey and trying to get a gig central to them. And what I'm getting at here is there's that old quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I guess I wouldn't be looking specifically to start a business. I'd be looking to surround yourself with people that you think could help in the long run grow you as an individual. Because, you know, whether you start the business in 12 months or 12 years, that's not really important because when you're starting a business, a business is, in my opinion, the greatest thing in the world to provide change, ultimately. That's, it's the greatest vehicle you can use to provide change in any kind of industry or with individuals. So I think the thing I would start with is, you know, who are the one or two or three people that are in your network mm -hmm. that you're just not talking to enough? How do you start talking to them more, right? How do you start hanging out with those people? How do you start moving, you know, move in with those people, right? So you got to really look at your social circle and try to audit that. And it's not eliminate friends, right? It's, it's finding new people and growing as to what person you want to be. I think that's the first step. Because after that, I think everything kind of falls in line, right? Because you could listen to, I, I, I love the podcast, um, geez, the NPR one where they talk about just how, how people build companies. Mm -hmm. And they always fall into it. So just put yourself around people that you think your parents or somebody that you really think is important to their opinion would be proud of you to hang out with. I think that's the first step. Just find people that are really passionate. It doesn't have to be a rock star, but it can be just an upgrade over somebody you're spending a lot of time with that's not being as productive. I hope that helps. Yeah, yeah that was super sure. valuable. For sure. I actually have one final question before I pass it over to Aurus. Um, we spoke a lot about from the management, the leadership aspect of communication. But what would you as a leader who has led many people before really value in the communication skills from your employees? What is like the number one communication trait that you would love in the ideal employee mm. so it depends on the position mm -hmm. um, but one thing that's across all positions is coachability right mm. if you're bringing somebody into any kind of position um, look I'm hiring that person not to tell them what to do you know I'm bringing them on board to tell me what to do right because they have to take over the position and the responsibilities that come with it mm -hmm. however you do have expertise as a leader because one of the things that I think is so important as a leader is you never want to ask someone to do something that you aren't willing to or have never done yourself. Mm. And it could be the smallest things to the largest things, but you got to be experienced as a leader and actually kind of have that background, I think, to be most 
to be most effective with it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just back it up. As, an, as a leader, as a manager, or somebody that's in your organization, you have to really be coachable. I think that's the one talent, that's the one thing I look for the most. And, you know, coachability, that's, it, it, again, it's knowing what you don't know and being, you know, in an organization or working with someone too with that intention to grow. And it kind of goes back on our last thing, our last uh, question, where it's just like surround yourself with people that you want to grow with and follow some of their habits. I think that would be the most important thing would be coachability. I, everyone who's listening right now, uh, this, I mean, everything that Aaron has been saying tonight is pure gold, this pure silver, pure gold, whatever you want to say. But the point is that if you are trying to find a job for, for someone who started their own business and you want to follow them, just like, what you just, just like what Aaron said, make sure you have the capacity to be coachable, to be humble. And highlight that skill, guys. Highlight your coachability. Highlight the fact that you're malleable, the fact that that you, you want to learn. That you want to learn that you could be influenced. Of course, we're talking about being influenced the right way, of course. But well, they're not going to be influenced for drugs and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Only good stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and, and exactly. You want to show these qualities because then where you want to get to, guess what? These people will hire you and then you'll learn along with these people who are pros, who are leaders, who are managers. You're going to learn from them because you're coachable. You're in the same track as them and you're spending a lot of time with them. And Aaron... We really appreciate you getting on this podcast today. Is there any way that if people are listening, they want to get in contact with you? What if, what, what are the best ways to get in contact with you? Also mention your book a little bit, and this is your time to promote yourself. So go right ahead. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> not, not too much crazy stuff to promote. So I just exited uh, uh, the student painter, so I'm kind of on full-time unemployed, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, so I'm taking the opportunity to... Uh, travel to the West Coast. I've never been there, and I'm uh, really looking for that next journey to sink my teeth into. And my friends kind of make fun of me because I, I want to take like five months off and go travel the world. But I get so once I get in on something, I'm in on something. So I'm just going to kind of look around, see where the next step is, and kind of fly into it. The best way to follow me is definitely my Instagram, uh, Aaron Z Griffin, A R O N Z like zebra, then G R I F F I N. That's my most active platform. If you want to communicate with me, shoot me a DM, whatever it is. Uh, I post content on there every day for the most part uh that's the best way to get a hold of me and uh yeah we are we're working on the book really excited about that uh it's working title right now is the student painter or really we're just diving into kind of the principles and things that we followed over the last four years that helped us scale the division that i took over um that was in tough shape when i got out here but also how i actually just started you know how i got into my first business and some of the traits that helped and i think it's more so tailored towards young people trying to figure out, you know, what kind of goals they want to set, whether you're an entrepreneur or you just want to use entrepreneurial tactics to win in today's marketplace. Mm. I think that's really what we're trying to focus on in the book. So hopefully I'll have a chance to come back on and maybe dive in and jam with you on something else before we get that release. That's not coming out until about February. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely do have another podcast where Mr. Aaron Griffin will be back on to, to tell you guys to help us out with more. I like what you said, to give us either entrepreneurial gold nuggets or or if you want to use entrepreneurial tactics and tendencies to win in your industry or your market. Aaron, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on this podcast. Thank you so much, man. Thank you all for coming and giving all those great answers. I'm sure you gave a lot of wisdom and experience to a lot of people out there. And I hope you guys were listening and taking notes. And if not, you better go listen again, guys. Take some notes. Yeah. Aaron, any, any last words? Oh, pleasure being on. Really excited for uh, the next few months. If you want to follow that journey, hit up my Instagram. Besides that, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Have a great night. Thank you.